Hey, you may be seated this morning. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, let me first introduce myself. My name is Alan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Downtown Church. I read a story about two weeks ago that there was a woman who had a dream, and in this dream, she was having a conversation with God. And in this conversation with God, she was venting her frustration. And she said, God, why don't you do something about all of this pain, all of this evil, all of this suffering that is happening in our world, all that is happening around me? Why don't you do something about the pain, about the suffering, about the evil? To which in very a very still, small voice, God said to the woman, I have done something. I created you. With that being in your mind, I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to find Matthew's gospel in chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We are in the midst of a teaching series that we're calling Next. But it's much more than a teaching series or a sermon series. It really is a strategy to describe what's next for downtown church. And it really, in many ways, kind of culminates today to a commitment time, a commitment Sunday, as we're committing strategically for the next 18 months. 18 months from now, we close on this building. We are purchasing the steeple so that we can be downtown church, not just on Sunday, but every day. And we can serve and minister and take who we are as downtown church, the mission and the purpose of downtown church, to connect people to Jesus Christ and one another, the great commission and the great commandment, that we can take it to a whole nother level. I want you and I to think together about what really next is about. Next, in many ways, really is about two things. It's about service. It's about compassion. How many of you are old enough to remember full-service gas stations other than myself? Anybody, a few others old enough? Uh, I grew up in um, West Mobile off Moffett Road, and I remember as a boy there was a Gulf station there. And um, if I was with my mom, we would often pull in to get gas, and there were two lanes that you can get in. You can get in the self-service lane or the full-service lane. And every once in a while, my mom would pull into the full-service lane, and you would hear this ding-ding as she pulled up next to the gas pumps. And the guy came out, uh, I think if I remember right, many years ago, I think it was Mr. Mr. Frank, I think is what we called him. And he had a blue shirt on with a golf emblem there, and he had like a pocket protector in his pocket. And there were pins, and there was a, uh, an air pressure gauge. And uh, Mr. Frank would go around and... Um, He would uh, begin filling up my mom's gas tank, and he would wash the windshield, and he would check if there was time, check the the air pressure in the tires, and there was a, it was a full service. My mom never had to get out of the car. Many of you have no idea what I'm talking about, that we we don't have those full service. I mean, not even at Bucky's, amen, is there full service gas stations anymore. Very hard hard to find. I thought about that from the standpoint, there was a time in which church was the place that we would go to be served. We would get our families together, and we would take them to church, and we would place our children into a Sunday school class, and they would hear a Bible story, and they would be taught. We would sit in church, and the choir would perform at least one song for us, and the preacher would preach an engaging, inspiring message, and then we would go home. We have been fully served. 
But in many ways, that really hasn't changed, is that many people go to church today expecting to be, to be served. Uh, there, there are certain expectations. In fact, uh, oftentimes people are looking for a church, they're what we call church shopping, and they have a list of things that they really are expecting and desiring that church to, to serve them or to serve their family. And I want you to understand that in some ways, that's not wrong. It's not bad. There are, there are certain expectations that you should have of a church. There, there should be the, the, the time of worship in which we worship our Creator and we worship our Redeemer. There should be the teaching of God's Word. It should be a church that not only teaches the Word of God and proclaims the Word of God, but put, put great emphasis on the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. But what I want you and I to do this morning is that I want you and I to look at the words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 25. And as you and I read these words in just a moment, I want us to ask ourselves this question. Is the Christian call service or serve us? And again, what I hope that you see this morning is that what is next for downtown church is a call to service, not serve us, and of compassion. Matthew chapter 25, just in honor of the reading of God's Word, let's stand together, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 31. These are the words of our Lord Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all of the angels with Him, then He will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you naked when you were naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. 
Jesus here in Matthew chapter 25 is giving a parable. And he's talking here about the final judgment. And Jesus says that at the final judgment, there's going to be a great separating. A separating of like a shepherd would separate sheep from goats. He's speaking of here a separation from those that are truly Christ followers, those that have a real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and those that do not. Now, the most remarkable thing to me about this this whole parable is that he reveals the defining, distinguishing characteristic that makes sheep different than goats. And it is the characteristic of compassion. And in other words, the distinguishing mark, the distinguishing defining characteristic of a Christian is compassion. If you have a passion for God, Jesus is saying that you're going to have compassion for your fellow man. And you have to really understand the context of what Jesus is saying here, the context of of the culture. This is an absolute opposition to anything and everything that that society at this particular time is, is, is portraying. We know that this is Rome. We know that it's the Greek culture. We know it's very cruel. We know that because of the pagan gods and this belief system that the belief is that the gods would often do things to torment or make life even more difficult for human beings. But it was an incredibly cruel torture, uh, cruel society. It was very selfish. In other words, because families needed workers, often for their fields, is that if they had sons, they celebrated, but it was not uncommon for a couple, for a family, that if they they give birth to a daughter, they would just toss that little baby in the trash. It was not uncommon, for example, in this culture, that if you just got tired of your children and dealing with them, you would just cast them out. There were in every city, in every village, street orphans. It was an incredibly cruel and selfish society. And so Jesus is contrasting this. He's distinguishing. He's saying that the the characteristic of a Christ follower is one of, of compassion. And really what Jesus is doing here is Jesus, in fact, is resurrecting a Jewish principle that had just gone dormant for many, many years. And the principle is this, every person, regardless of their background, of the, regardless of their socioeconomic level, regardless of their race, is made in the image of God and therefore has great value, great worth, and significance. Because every man, because every woman, every boy, every girl is created in the image of God. Life has great worth, value, and significance. That's what Jesus is teaching. And he spoke it to a society that was really compassionless. But he restored compassion. And the early church followed it. As they received the 
compassionate one in Christ, in spirit, they became compassionate. Well, what is compassion? What is the biblical definition of compassion? Look again, if you would. I think the focus here is in verses 35 and 36. You ought to underline it or underscore in your Bible. But here's what Jesus says. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You see, I think verses 35 and 36 actually tells us what compassion is. And here's my definition. I believe this is the biblical definition of of compassion. It's when I sacrifice to help those who cannot do anything for me in return. That's compassion. It's when I sacrifice to help those who cannot do anything for me in return. And so what Jesus is teaching is that sheep, Christ followers, were sacrificing their time and their treasure to help others. Who? Those who couldn't really help them back. And again, this is, this is contrary to human nature. Human nature says this, I will help meet your needs if you'll help meet my needs. I mean, that really is human nature. If you help me, I'll help you. That really is, by the way, one of the number one problems in marriages today is this expectation, well, I will do for you if you will do for me. I will seek to meet your needs if you will meet my needs. But that's not the teaching of Scripture. This is not the teaching of Jesus, that real compassion, true compassion, the distinguishing mark of a Christian is that you're willing to sacrifice and help those who may not or will not return the favor. Now, one of the things that's very interesting to me is that this was the defining characteristic of the early church. The early church, this very small minority group persecuted by Emperor Nero, the early church had no political power, no influence, no real wealth. They had no blogs. They had no podcasts. The early church was absolutely powerless. It was a small group of minorities that were being persecuted. Now listen to me. This is the early church. But within 300 years, Rome would become Christian under Constantine. Historians have scratched their head and said, how could a very small group of of minority persecuted people who had no power, no influence, no wealth, how could they transform a nation, a world, in such a short a period of time? Was it because the early church, the first 100 years, 200 years, had beautiful buildings? Was it because of their great preaching? Was it because of their great worship music? Was it the worship music? Was it the preaching? Was it their buildings? Is that the early church, listen carefully, was an army of compassion. When I began to pray several months ago about what is next for downtown church, God, what do you have for downtown churches? We're about to celebrate our anniversary. What's next? 
And we know that part of what is next is that we're going to have the opportunity to purchase this building so that we can be a church 24-7 and have ongoing weekday ministries. But what does that mean? What does that really mean for downtown church? I think that what it means is that we are to be an army of compassion. An army of compassion. So if you would take your pencil or your pen, here's what I want to do just for the next probably 10 minutes. Is I want to be a little bit more specific about what's next for downtown church. And when you make a commitment, whether to be a part of downtown church, whether to give to downtown church, whether to serve in downtown church, what exactly does that mean? What does next mean? What is next for downtown church specifically? What's the, what are we intense about? What are we focusing on? Number one, we will share the gospel. The gospel of hope, the gospel of salvation. Our hope and our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. He is the only one that can heal hearts. Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive sins. He is the only one who can take us to heaven one day. And we will proclaim the gospel like we never have before. When we launched Downtown Church, we made it an effort to make sure that we are serving, love where you live, that we're communicating the gospel. And I will say to you that we've done a pretty good job. But we haven't done it with great passion. And so we're going to renew our efforts. What's next for downtown church, not just in the purchase of this building, but we're going to communicate the gospel. We're going to share the gospel because what we need to say to Midtown and downtown Mobile is that the only hope you have is in Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can forgive you of your sins. He is the only one who can heal your heart. He is the only one that can take you to heaven. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. And so we will place a great emphasis in sharing the gospel. Because what we need to understand is that this next generation and much of what next is about is about leaving a legacy. It's about impacting the next generation. About 25% of this next generation, aged from about 18 to 28, only about 25% believe that the Bible is the word of God. So we must engage this next generation. We must engage this city. We must engage this area with the gospel. And you will hear every week more of the gospel. And we're going to be teaching and sharing with you various ways as a part of your lifestyle, as part of your daily traffic pattern of life, how in very easy way you can share the gospel. And you can invite people to come to downtown church in which we will share the gospel again. So what is next about? We will share the gospel. Number two, we will stand for the next generation. We will stand for the next generation. We're praying about a couple of things. We're launching in the next couple of weeks, we're launching a student ministry here. We have a very strong, vibrant, growing preschool children's ministry. We're launching a student ministry. We want to very strategically impact the next generation. We're asking that God would call out of downtown church. God would call out those called to the ministry whether as to preach or to lead worship or to work in student ministry or children's ministry or missions. 
that God would call up out of downtown church those called to the ministry, that we would call out the called. You see, I believe even though this next generation statistically isn't engaged in church, they don't necessarily even believe that the Bible is the word of God, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm under deep conviction. I believe that our kids... Our students, our kids, this next generation, there will be an incredible revival, a spiritual awakening that will occur, and I believe that they will reach this world with the gospel. So we're going to be launching. You're going to be seeing here in the next several months, you're going to be seeing more and more interns students at college that are studying for the ministry, and we're going to provide an internship program here. Those called to the ministry. In the next 18 months, you're going to see that. And we're going to help train this next generation. We're not only going to help reach this next generation, we're going to help train this next generation. We will stand for the next generation. And number three, we will serve the powerless. We will serve the powerless. You've heard me say in recent weeks that a part of the strategy of next is to help save and rescue and protect the most vulnerable. We have a partnership with our own Alabama Baptist Children's Home. We have a partnership with our own Women's Resource Center. In the next several months, in the next 18 months, we're taking on a pretty big project with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. One of the things that Downtown Church is going to do is we're going to help provide Christmas gifts for them this Christmas. That's not only for the boys and the girls, but for those house parents. We're also going to see how we can help feed those boys and girls into next year. We want to serve. It's one of the projects that we're going to take on as part of downtown church and and our family of churches on Dolphin Island and West Mobile. I met with the director of the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and told her we would take care of Christmas for the boys and girls and for the house parents. I told them that we would help feed them at least for the first quarter of next year. I met with Marty Carell, who is our CEO of the Women's Resource Center. In fact, we met again this past week, and I said, Marty, tell me about your strategy, about the vision. And she said, God's moving, God's, God's at work, and Lives are being saved. She said, but what we've seen in this younger generation is that they don't necessarily walk into one of our our centers. She said, a part of my vision, she said, is I really want want a vehicle that we can have a portable ultrasound machine and we could do some SDD testing. And and then instead of waiting because this next, this new, this younger generation, they don't, they just pick up their phones. And they just order online the abortion pills. And so what we have to do is that we can't wait till they come to us. We need to go to them. We need to get on the college campuses. We need to get into some of these rural areas. I said, Marty, what does that exactly mean? She says, well, we just need like a a van that we can put an ultrasound machine and SDT testing. And I can put at least one or two people and we can just go to where people are. I said, Marty... Between the three churches, we'll do it. We'll purchase the van. We'll purchase the ultrasound machine. We'll purchase the supplies. We'll do what you need. What you need, we'll provide it. And you may say, well, Alan, how are we going to do that? 
well, you're going to pay for it. That, that's how it's going to happen, all right? We're going to do it together. Over the next 18 months, we're going to give, and we're going to give generously, and we're not going to just do as much as we can to save up for a down payment here, but here's what we can never be. We can never be just about us. We have to be about making an impact. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the distinguishing characteristic, the defining mark of a Christian is compassion. It's to help those who who cannot help us or give back in return. So we're going to put forth a very concentrated effort to serve the powerless. And we're going to do that. We're going to do it all that we can, and in downtown church, we'll become an army of compassion. This is just two or three ways that I've tried to share in which we'll impact or or make a difference, but it's much more than that. It's bigger than that. In fact, in about four weeks, which you probably don't know if you're fairly new here, is that for the last year and a half, we have been engaged in building a school, a church, a hospital, one building, in Nicaragua, in a village, in an area that's one of the most poverty-stricken areas of the country. They're about a third of the way through with construction. In the next several months, the building will be completed. And there are about between two and 250 children in that village. In about four weeks, we're going to have the names of those children. I'm going to bring them here. And you will have an opportunity to sponsor a child to make sure they're fed, make sure they're in school, make sure they're being taught spiritual things. You will have an opportunity, you, your family, to sponsor at least one child in the village, in the very village where we're building that church and that school and that that hospital. So there's things that we're going to be doing internationally. There's going to be things that we're going to do right here in our city. Because we must become an army of compassion. That is the call. That's what turned in the first century, it's what turned the world upside down. It wasn't the beautiful buildings, it wasn't the preaching, it wasn't the worship music. It was that the early believers were an army of compassion. And that's what downtown church will become. That's what we will be. Now it could be that you would say, Alan, I am a Christian, I am a believer, but I'm not that compassionate. I found my heart to become a little bit hardened and a little bit calloused. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to begin today praying a prayer for compassion. Let me tell you what that looks like. There's three things that I think that you need to pray. The first is this, Lord, burden my heart. Lord, burden my heart so that I ache and I hurt for those that are in need, for those that need help. Lord, burden my heart. See, the most disturbing passage in this whole parable is verses 44 through 46. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. I mean, that's a high price to pay for a compassionless life. Here's what I believe that Jesus is saying in these verses. Watch this. A person that has no compassion does not have a real faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that's what he's teaching. I believe that's what he's saying. So one of the prayers that you have to pray is, Lord, burden my heart for those that are the least, that are the most vulnerable. Lord, put a burden on my heart for the powerless, for the poor, for those that need the gospel. Lord, for those that I may not necessarily like, but Lord, place a burden on my heart for them. Number one, burden my heart. Number two, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see the needs of people around me and see how I can meet those needs. Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 in describing Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Here's the key part of Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 there is that when he saw the crowds. See, here's the reality. Watch this. Look up here. You and I see people every day. We actually see needs every day, but we don't really see it. So God, open my eyes so I actually really see the need and help me to see how I can help meet that need. Matthew chapter 25 in verse number 40, and the king will answer them truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Mother Teresa was asked in her later years how she was able to treat and care for so many children. Here's what she said. Each one of these is Jesus in disguise. Each one of these is Jesus in disguise. Downtown church will be very intentional because we're going to serve and minister to each one of these because they are Jesus in disguise. So what I'm challenging you to do is to give your time. Be a part of the ministries. Give your talents, whatever that skill, whatever that ability. One of the things that Marty shared with me this past week, one of her needs is that she needs counselors. We have some folks in our church that are trained, certified counselors. Can you give an hour a week? There are ministries that we partner with. There are things that we do as a church. But listen, we need you to give your time, but your talents, your abilities, your skill set, and your treasure to be generous. Number one, pray for a, a burden, burden my heart, open my eyes. Number three, humble my spirit. Humble my spirit. First Timothy chapter 6. In verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Look at that verse again. This is very interesting. So Paul's telling Timothy, command. He's telling, he's telling somebody to command somebody else. Who's he talking to? By the way, he's talking to pastors. Command them. Direct them. Tell them. So he is telling, Paul's saying, tell the pastors to command the rich to be humble in spirit and to be generous and to serve. 
Now, you may say, well, okay, pastor, I'm glad that you're commanding, but hey, I'm not rich. Can I give you some news? If you live in America, you have a job, you have a home, you are 90% more wealthy than 90% of the rest of the world. Listen to this. Most of the world, half of the world, lives off $2 a day. If you live in America and you have a job and you have a home, you are better off than 90% of the rest of the world. Can I, I've got news for you this morning, downtown church. You are rich. Look at the verse again, verse, six, verse uh, 17. Command those who are rich, that's you, that's me, in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. And notice verses 18 and 19, the next few verses. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Verse number 19, and in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, so that you may store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Two things, be grateful and be generous. So this may be a question that you have. Alan, that's great. We're going to help the, the foster children, the orphans. We're going to do everything we can to, to save lives, literally. We're going to seek to share the gospel like never before. We're going to engage in more ministries that help people, that help the helpless, that help the powerless. And here's what you're going to ask. Listen. We've been doing some of that, by the way, the last two years. And here's a question that you probably have. Has it done any good? Does it make a difference? I'm going to tell you two things. Watch this. Number one, I believe absolutely it makes a difference. Absolutely, I believe it makes a difference. We, we have seen and heard and know stories that people's lives were changed as a result of the ministries of downtown church. But now listen. Even if it didn't, even if it didn't make a difference, we're going to do it anyway. What do you mean we're going to do it anyway? We're going to do it anyway because Jesus said, if you do it unto the least of these, you're doing it unto me. So we're ministering to Jesus, number one. Number two, the hope of this world is the church, the gospel. And so even if it doesn't make a difference, we're still going to communicate. We're still going to do it because I just believe that the gospel is the only hope this world has. See, our hope is not who is in the White House. Our hope, the hope of this world, is who is in the church house. And what are we going to do? So that's what next is about. So you have in your seat, we gave these out several weeks ago. We've actually asked you to pray about it. We need you to make a commitment. I'm not going to spend a lot of time walking through this because hopefully maybe you've taken some time. Uh, But what would you normally give in a month? We're asking you to increase that, whatever that may look like for you. And what is that amount? Time 18 months. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And we're going to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer for compassion. I'm going to lead us in a prayer that God would burden our hearts, that he would open our eyes, that he would humble our spirits, 
and that we would be grateful and that we would be generous and we'd be willing to give our time, our energy, our talents to making a difference unto the least of these. So let's just pray together. The worship band's going to come, and after I lead us in a a time of prayer, I want to challenge you. If you're not a member of Downtown Church, join Pastor Neil right after this service. We're going to go downstairs, and and there's a a Discover Downtown. It's, It's how to become a member. We talk about the vision of the church. You can join today. Join and then join in. The next 18 months, 24 months are going to set the pace for the future of downtown church. We're going to share the gospel like never before. We're going to stand for the next generation. And we're going to do everything we can to protect, rescue, serve the powerless. And God's going to bless it. So would you just, as your head is bowed, would you just pray right now? Would you pray this just unto the Lord? Lord, burden my heart for the lost, for the hurting, for the hopeless. Lord, I've grown a bit calloused, a bit cold. God, just break my heart, burden my heart. God, I pray that you would open my eyes, that I would see the needs around me. Lord, help me to see how I can help. Lord, how I can help at downtown church. A way that I can serve, a way that I can minister. The way I can be a part of this this army of compassion. And Lord, I know that I am rich. Compared to the rest of this world, I am wealthy. I am rich. So Lord, humble my spirit and help me to be grateful and help me to be generous. Thank you for downtown church. Thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're going to do. And Heavenly Father, I pray that as we collect this offering this morning, I pray for the generosity of your people. And Lord, as we place these commitment cards in the baskets, we just pray blessings. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the generosity of your people. And Lord, our simple prayer now is build your church. Lord, you said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that we have the keys to the kingdom. Lord, build your church in Jesus' name.